Invasive snakes out of control in Ibiza and local lizards heading for extinction, Dean Gallagher has been heavily involved in the battle to return the island to its previous snake-free state. This has not been easy for Dean, who suffered nightmares about snakes in the early part of his campaign. Even now he performs a ritual to calm each snake before killing it and says he would prefer to export them back to the mainland if this was permitted. Dean describes vividly the impact snakes have had, with some parts of the island now denuded of birds and lizards, where the only sound is the slithering and hissing of snakes hidden in the undergrowth. I met Dean at a property in the Campo near Santillaria, where the gentle giant had just rescued a drowning baby rabbit from the pool. Okay, Dean, uh, it's really good to meet you. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. You're welcome. So I think you're doing some really important work here with um, eliminating the snakes mm. and um, regular listeners, listeners to Ibithology will remember that I interviewed Elba Montes a few months ago who gave me a lot of the background about how many li- lizards there were you know how widespread they were all about all the subspecies and you know the amazing variety and um, life that lizards have given to Ibiza over the centuries uh, which, which now is basically coming to an end because, well, she's quite worried that there's a chance of them becoming extinct if, yes. if, if this can't be reversed. But before we go on to talk, to talk about that, mm-hmm. um, just let's like know a bit about yourself, if that's okay. How did you end up in Ibiza? Well, we've been coming with friends to Ibiza since the 1990s, I suppose, uh, the late 1990s. Uh, the first time was about 1997 and it came again in 1998. The usual, uh, you know, group of mad people on holiday and ending up in the nightclubs. And I've always had an, an affection for Ibiza. And then when I eventually moved to Malaga in 2003, I, I moved there originally with the intention to learn Spanish and get integrated with the culture. Uh, having been brought up in a very hot country, uh, namely Australia, and I didn't want to be too far away from the family in England because I've got grandparents are still alive and my mother who lives in the southwest of England I thought this is the best of both worlds I'm in Europe and yet I've got a very similar climate to Australia where I was brought up and I've always loved the Spanish culture and the Spanish language and and then in 2007 uh, I moved to Bifa because friends of mine were buying property here and they needed my Spanish skills to, to help them out so you came over here on clubbing holidays like me, I, I suspect, sounds like. Yes, originally. Uh, and uh, it just is a natural progression. I, I suppose when people first come here, it's, uh, it's a case of um, you fall in love with the place and you, and you keep coming back. And that was, yeah. that, that was me because, I mean, everyone I've met here uh, that, that, come, uh, that come on holiday have been here before, quite a lot of them, many times before. So it's... Uh, it's a place that uh, people always return to. And so when did you first become aware of that there's a problem with the lizards and the snakes? The first alarm was raised when the neighbour's white and ginger cat was screaming and meowing, rather, in the, in the back garden of one of the villas I look after <clears throat> and was wrestling with a large snake which had its teeth embedded into its neck right. and the cat was desperately trying to get it off and I was very shocked because I'd never seen a snake before in Ibiza in all the years I've been coming here and living here I've never seen one I heard a rumor that there were snakes around but I'd never seen him to that point and I was a little bit frightened and so I did what I could to separate them it was a little bit difficult it was a very messy situation 
that the snake slithered away quickly underneath the wood pile and then we got rid of the wood pile because we thought that was the hiding place of the snake. And then I spoke to the consul and they explained that there were several invasive species starting to appear around the San Tulalio area. But not to worry, um, the majority of them are not venomous. And the ones that they've come across on the island so far at that point were not venomous and just let them go on the way and sometime someone would come and put a trap if we saw them again but otherwise not to worry but I didn't accept that and what year was that? I think that was uh, the first time was in 2015 and that was the only snake I ever saw Yeah. until slowly through different social media I heard more sightings of snakes and I started to get a bit more interested in the whole um, situation spoke to friends and family in Australia as well and to get a bit of expert advice on how to capture snakes um, but they're very quick to tell me that they would never try unless it was absolutely necessary and so you is it your Aussie connection you think that gives you a particular interest in tackling the snakes here yeah I mean where I lived in r rural Warrnambool in Victoria I used to see snakes fairly often um, we were taught from a young age to be careful with them and not do anything to provoke them to uh, to bite you or attack you and how to avoid them and how to stand still, you know, insensible advice. <clears throat> Coming from that region as well, we also knew that it was illegal to kill snakes and they were protected species and had a specific role in the ecosystem in Australia, namely to control the plague of mice and rabbits, uh, which had become an invasive species due to the first settlers who bought boats and merchandise. The same, it's a very similar story to a beaver, really, but the other way around. Um, okay, so, so then how did you start to think, hang on, I need to get more involved in solving this problem? What, 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 why, do you, why do you think that it was important for you to do that? Because I, I wasn't afraid of snakes. I've never been afraid of reptiles. I'd seen them, and I've even... There was occasions where I handled them in Australia. There was one time I handled a lowland copperhead. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a tree snake. And then uh, later on, my friend told me that I was crazy and I shouldn't have done that because it was deadly venomous. Um, but I had a towel over it. It was crawling into my bedroom in a, in a bungalow house that we lived in in the rural area of Warrnambool. And I've always been fascinated by snakes and reptiles. So yeah. I've obviously lived in an area where there were, you know, um, quite a variety of reptiles and then uh, after having lived in England for for quite a long time after my parents decided to move to England and that, that, that sort of wildlife and um, exoticness had all gone I was living then in a southwest area down in Devon where you know the most exotic thing I saw was a rabbit perhaps or a, or the local street cat you know yeah. uh, the occasional fox and you know I was dying to see reptiles and you know that kind of thing again so that I suppose with that little connection from my childhood uh, made me take interest mm. in the in the subject a little bit more and I did a lot of research online as well about the various species of snake that exist around them in, in, in Iberia and on the mainland and in the Balearic Islands and through that we, we could see clearly that um, the snakes that are here have never been here previous, not not for thousands of years, and it, it it it's invasive and it's got an abundance of protein and no predators, and this is why they've thrived. You know, from the time when I first saw one to now, they have multiplied and multiplied and multiplied in such numbers. Now they're becoming a real problem. Um. So how how do you go about trying to like? organize things because obviously you can't do it all, all on your own but are you part of a, 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 a larger team how does it work in Ibiza the snake the snake elimination um, team or process well originally I got in I went started uh, to search for different people involved in in the campaign and other people that have had experience with snakes and then I spoke to Timothy Freitag who uh, was very involved in this and our conversations became more and more frequent about 
how the snakes have taken hold in different areas, specifically around the north of the island, around San Carlos, uh, Santa Eulalia, this area here where we are. And he was making traps and he was trying to organize more um, production of, of traps for different carpenters. And we, so we started to work together a little bit and then then I made contact with Amix de la Terra, um, specifically Hazel, who was able to give me some mice for the traps that I was making. And and then <clears throat> it just took off, really. And then different people started contacting me directly or via Timothy Freitag. And then uh, through Alejandro Macias at the time, who was the employee for the Concel and the Asociación de Cazadores, um, or the Guardia Rural, and you know we we met a few times, and and then I had by that point caught snakes, but wasn't sure how to properly sacrifice them without making them suffer, and so he gave me a little bit of training on that, and that was very very useful, and so we combined our notes and experience, and then with my experience specifically dealing with people in sort of troubled situations, you could say, because when I was living in the UK, I was I was working as a doorman around the West End. I had to deal with a lot of conflict management. And so I was able to use those kind of calming people down skills in this as well, because I have been to deal with people in in different rural locations around Ibiza that had been very upset about what's happening. And the first time in their life that they've seen this kind of reptile or snake on their property and of course it's a very traumatizing it's a very scary situation so i think i've had the people skills and the you know the ability to calm people down and and explain and educate and also i'm an educator you know i teach english i teach children adults teenagers so with that experience of combined going in and calming people down in a disaster or a bit like conflict management situation and then my personal knowledge and everything else, then it worked out very well. And keeping calm is the most important thing, of course, when you when you go in to these situations and quite often, you know, people are stamping around and jumping around and screaming and shouting and, and, and that's not helping the situation. So I try and get people to calm down, go and make a cup of tea if, if they're British, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or, or a gin and tonic or whatever. And it's 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 a it's a colubrid snake. It's not venomous. We'll get it out of the trap, or we get it out of the property, and then it's dealt with. Um, so, and then through the calls, you know, it just it's just multiplied and multiplied. I get called every single day now through the different organisations, uh, and sometimes even the the representatives from the consul they're call, they're calling me to give them a hand because they're just snowed under with the amount of calls and uh, situations that they're dealing with. You know. So how many snakes are being killed at the moment, do you think? How, how successful is it? Well, I had a word with Coffib the other day, then the, um, the representative, and they've got hundreds of traps around Portanax, you know, and they go once a week. And so they're talking uh, maybe 50, 60 snakes um, every time they go to the traps. You know, sometimes they're, they're full, sometimes they're not. Uh, you know, they have traps everywhere. Uh, so it's difficult to put a number on it. I mean... The Linea Verde application, which is um, which is designed to register sightings, captures, and killings of snake, uh, would have a more accurate reading on that. But personally, I can only talk about me. Um, I'm dealing between seven, ten, sometimes fifteen a day. Sometimes I tell people to keep their traps until the weekend, and when I've got free time, and I go there. And they would have accumulated by that time four or five snakes in a trap. So the mathematics, well, if I'm going to five, six properties on a Saturday, times by four or five, you know, it's quite a, it's quite a lot every day. Yeah. Um, I'm yet to count <clears throat> on the Linea Verde uh, application how many I've done this year, but I, I, I think already up until now, it's about 260, I think, um, just this year. Okay. Uh, last year, <clears throat> throughout the summer, between May and September, I managed to capture and, and put down or sacrifice 365 snakes. And then by the time it was Christmas, it was around 405 snakes. But then the temperature drops and they go into hibernation. So the snake activity uh, generally goes down between December um, and March, possibly April. 
but we found this winter that they're actually active in in January, in February in some cases, but rarely, but they were. Mm. They come out of hibernation, the sun's out, the temperature's gone up a little bit, and so they decided then to go out and have a snack or mm. two. And then people were calling me uh, in February, which was pretty amazing. So I think going on that basis, you know, with the with the number of snakes that we're capturing in um, alive and in traps, and the ones that have been spotted and reported, they're definitely exponentially multiplying at such a rate that it's it's out of control mm. and an indication for me as well because you know i don't have access to the facts and figures sometimes they share them with me sometimes i don't the official figures that the government have but i go from nature and what i can see and what i can hear and you go to portanax and some of the remote areas campunta uh then Serra, around the area where they had a fire not so long ago. So the new trees are starting to grow there around that area. Um, you don't hear the birds. You don't see any lizards. And there are more cobwebs. And it's more barren and it doesn't feel right. And the people are saying that they haven't seen lizards now for a few years. So it's, they disappeared. So what, what effect do these snakes have on the ecology then? Is it more than just lizards that they're destroying? Yes, well, I've seen snakes... Uh, climb up into trees and go into nests right. of small birds and literally just go, gobble them up. Mm. They go for eggs, they go for anything, they can get protein. Um, I mean, today we've obviously dealt with this little rabbit who's uh, been rescued from the pool, but he, he's small enough as well. If you went out there and there were a couple of culebra herodura, the horseshoe whip snakes, so they're large enough size, more than a metre, metre and a half, they would go and swallow that rabbit whole. Mm. Um, is small enough and anything <clears throat> they can stretch their jaw the mandible bone at the bottom and engulf a whole animal they will mm. i've seen small snakes about this size like 70 80 centimeters you know take take on small rats uh, that you know are three times the size of his head so their the mouth and the, and the jaw just stretches and mm. their body stretches to in, engulf it and digest it so there's no real uh, species of animal, uh, you know, um, free of the burden, uh, uh, free of the snake, unless it's, um, you know, obviously much bigger. Um, but I've even seen small kittens being attacked by the snake, mm. you know. And people who keep stray cats, this is also another issue. Um, but, you know, there's some people in their camp that are, are willingly breeding feral cats and, and then I've seen litters of kittens being attacked by the snake as well okay. so you know sometimes they're successful in consuming them sometimes sometimes they're not but generally they go for the green uh, wool lizard because uh, the, the the green wool lizard I've seen them sitting on the wall they look sideways at the snake as to say who are you what are you and by the time they've worked it out in their little brain what's going on the snake has to gobble them up is that because the those lizards are just not used to predators at all? Um, yeah, I think there is an, <clears throat> there's a certain amount of inst instinctive protective behaviour of these reptiles that will make them run when there is danger. Mm. But I think the, the green wall lizard is a little bit too trusting of the things that it comes across. And, you know, they will obviously stop and try and assess what's going on. And they're looking at a, a reptile that looks similar to, to itself in a way with the same eyes and the, and the snout and whatever. So it will stand there on the wall or inside the wall. And by the time it's worked out, it's in danger. It's too late. Yeah. They get them. And yeah, it's, it's, it's quite terrifying. And I think over the evolution uh, period, um, the lizards have not developed the inherent protection skills to run away from, from an obvious predator because they haven't had that chance over evolution, mm. I don't think. And, you know, in other countries where, you know, the snakes have, have always existed, possibly like Australia or anywhere else, you know, most animals will say, oh, okay, this doesn't look, this looks like trouble, let's get out of here quick, you know. The wall, um, the, the, the Moorish gecko is, is a bit more um, prudent in these situations and seems to have an autopilot that switches on and 
any sign of movement, they disappear up. Yes. Rather still, than down. We still see geckos in Calasan Vicente, yeah. but no more lizards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The geckos go up. They run up. They mm. get up. Their um, instinctive uh, defence mechanism, I suppose you could call it, is to get up and away and hidden and tucked away as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. They're not all safe. I mean, snakes are working out that it's if they go behind panelling, uh, swimming pool machine door doors, um, they might find geckos sort of uh, resting there or waiting out to catch insects. Um, but most geckos are, are pretty smart and they get out of there quick and they are still around. It's, it is a, a little bit controversial, the whole snake killing thing, mm. isn't it? You know, you look on social media, there's always a debate going on. Why don't we just accept the snakes are here, we can't get rid of them, and so we're just going to have to accept that the lizards might not be here and there might just be a change on the island. What do you say to that? There, there are people who have um, unfounded opinions and believe me, I'm the last person on this island that would want to kill a snake. And it, it took a lot of soul searching <clears throat> and I, I felt all sorts of emotions, including guilt. Um, in, at times I felt like I was traumatised by doing this because it, it's a living creature, it's healthy living creature. And I've looked into the eyes of the snake before I've sacrificed it. And in the beginning, I was having nightmares. You know, um, I could say I, w- I would say that I probably needed to sit down with a with a therapist and and discuss it. But the bigger picture is that you can't allow nature to do its work or take its work when this is not a natural occurrence. The comparison that we can make is the Pacific island of Guam. Um, the you know the overseas American territory, which has had its natural habitat and species completely decimated by by the brown snake, which is very similar in behaviour to this um, colubrid horseshoe whip snake, and we need to learn from 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 the errors of other places, and there is there are other islands as well that have had similar situations occurring where snakes exponentially take over and without any predator they have a free reign the problem in the the Pitiusas islands uh, by definition of the Greek name means that the island is covered in dense pine forests so the birds of prey like the falcons and the booted eagle even if they were flying around all the time looking for prey probably would never get the opportunity to see and hunt as many snakes to get it under control because of the fact that the it's so dense. They're up in the sky. They can't look down on the ground. You go to places like Almeria, um, Andalusia, and where Andalusia, where I used to live around that area, it's very mountainous and, and sparsely uh, vegetated. So... Snakes and reptiles in those areas are, are, are easy prey for, for, for the falcons and eagles, but they're not here. Mm. And of course, there is, a, the op- there is the situation as well that the habitat of possible natural predators has been taken away from them. Genetas, the, the animal that looks a bit like a, a cross between a cat and a raccoon with a big f- fluffy tail. A genet. Yes. yes. I don't know, is it, is it called a genet in English? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Geneta. Um, um, they're not in enough numbers. You know, they're known to uh, enjoy snake meat and mm. hunt snakes. Also hedgehogs. Hedgehogs are known to attack and kill snakes. Right. You know, they probably can get away with killings. You know, small ones, baby ones. But again, they're squashed on the roads and their habitat has been taken away from them from what appears to be like endless construction. There's a number of issues going on here in this island that is clearly linked. And this is my opinion. And I mean, I'm not a, without sounding offensive, a tree-hugging hippie. You know, I'm a, um, I'm a person who's concerned about the environment but <clears throat> I drive a car which uses diesel. Um, I'm part of the problem, you know. I'm, I'm part of the problem. I, I live in a building that's been constructed 
So, you know, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, um, but people are the problem. People are part of the problem. It's people's inherent desire to want something better than what they've got. And the trees, for example, the the, the olive trees that have been bought in uh, from the outside, there is is about wanting things that are not already here, uh, making something better, making gardens better, making buildings better. So it's kind of brought things in that don't belong here really, that's caused the problem. And, and, and is the end game then, if, if the snakes were just allowed to go out of control, you think that they would just decimate most of the wildlife? Here? I've only seen parts of the island where they've got control and there's, the na- there's no nature left. You know, I can, I can take you to two or three parts of the island up in the north where you, you walk around and it's like you're on a ghost island, you know, and you can hear the snakes going through the bushes and they hiss. Mm. You know, if you get too close to them, they're hidden because they, 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 they know I'm there, they can see me. And you, you're listening for birds and there's no birds. Yeah. You're looking around for lizards and there's no lizards. And... It's it's awful, and then there's more spiders. There's more species of spiders that weren't here before. Why why are the spiders increased? I'm not an expert. I'm not a biologist, but I would suggest that it's because the predator has been decimated. I would say that the lizards, you know, I've seen the green wall lizards eat cockroaches, Mm. you know, or at least hunt them. I see them. I've seen them running around uh, recently with cockroaches in their mouth Mm -hmm. or bugs that they've managed to catch on the floor. So um, I've seen them eat spiders and, you know, they, they attack other small creatures that they can consume. Mm. I mean, and if, if, if they're being taken away, then obviously uh, those populations can, can, can reign and, and take over. There was a case recently where a strange spider, um, I don't remember the exact details, but the spider had bitten the hand of a British tourist and it caused it to swell up and go black. I don't even know if it had to be amputated in the end, but they were, you know it was in the local press, and they're saying that this spider is probably invasive as well. And had their natural predator been here, that have always existed, that probably wouldn't have happened. Mm. I would say with some confidence. But as I say, when the ecosystem is so affected by this very successful in- invasive species. It's logical and apparent that it's all linked. And if they're allowed to carry on, this this, this island will go like one. And I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I can say with my hand on my heart and all honesty that I've seen parts of the island now that it's starting to look like that. It's scary. So <clears throat> the, the green lizard strongholds now are in the south of the island, probably around Calabadella. Um, but even the snake now have been um, arriving in San Agnes, that area down as far as the outskirts of San Antonio where they weren't before. Um, there's one person there who lives near Pikes who's surrounded his property with traps because they're getting close to there. There's been seen a lot there as well. So they move. They move where the protein is. They move where the food is. They've finished eating everything that's in the north of the island. And this is another interesting thing as well, because when I was with the uh, the journalist from The Guardian, and I wanted to show him some big, vicious snakes, you know, to make it like sort of photo-worthy and juicy for the publication. But I was pulling snakes up out of the truck that were looking really malnourished, weak. The snake wasn't even putting up a fight. I was taking the snake out of the box. It was just there. Like that, looking tired, exhausted, and malnourished, which is good in a way, but it also indicates that their food is seriously reduced in that part of the island. The food are other reptiles, other birds. So that, to me, is an indication. And that, but that wouldn't cause the snakes' then uh, population to collapse if no. they eliminated the proteins. No, no, I think they this. I've, what I've learned from the snakes, and I've been learning a lot about the snakes in the last uh, few years, more than I ever did, and I've observed them, I've watched them, I've interacted with them. Um, they have to interact with me because they have no choice, they're in a trap, I bring them out. 
I've, I've, I've watched them, I've watched them, what they eat, they behave, I've, you know, and they move very quickly away from a place that is dangerous for them and is not giving them any food. And, and they move very, very, very quickly. And I think now they're learning as well that when they, and sometimes they move, move in packs, I'd say, I don't know what the group of snakes are called, but they would move together. And the last couple of years I've been noticing quite a few uh, cases of roadkill where, you know, they've gone across like the Carretera San Juan and they've been run over by passing vehicles lots, but recently none. So I think they're learning, they're thinking, hold on a minute, those big moving metal machines with uh, rubber wheels are dangerous for us. So they're keeping away from the main roads now. You know, I'm pretty sure that the snake is adapting very quickly to its environment. And I'm, I'm sure as well, but as I say, I'm not an expert, I'm not a biologist. There are subspecies appearing now with different colours and different behaviours of the Culebra Herududa, perhaps because they've, they've mated between different um, Heruduras that have come from different parts of the country. But I've, not, I've noticed the different uh, colourings, um, slightly different behaviours, different shapes. So, you know. so like, it's evolving into a... Yeah. Unique, some subspecies. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously, when they they go into a different area, they uh, they acquire different bacterias, and I've been told that's one of the reasons that they can't be reintroduced to where they came from is because they're carrying parasites that they've acquired from here as well that would um, cause a an ecological problem if you reintroduce them onto the mainland. Mm. And that's what I want to do. Yeah. Ultimately, I would love to take all the snakes, put them in a box, and return them to the habitat where they're useful, where they could keep vermin under control. Mm. But apparently, that's not a possibility. Yeah. So therefore, <clears throat> the only option we have is to capture them and sacrifice them in the most humane way possible. Mm. However, I try not to waste the animal and the small snakes will go back into the countryside, into open land spaces, so the birds can have them if they want to. And I have seen, when I've, when I've thrown snakes into uh, the countryside or an open space, the falcon or the bird will fly around and then drop down and get it. I've seen it before. And quite often when I've left them in places in open land, gone back there the next day they're not there mm. so, and sometimes parts of their their corpses are ripped apart or whatever so something is you know taking advantage of that protein of that meat mm. <clears throat> bigger snakes that are too large for birds i bury them i bury them i make you know after sacrificing them in the most rapid and painless way possible how do you kill them then we knock them out um, with a direct, firm blow to the head, and I know they're knocked out because they go like that. So you 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 back. You hit the snake with something, or you hit the snake on a stone. People have got different methods. Yeah, <clears throat> but what I've learnt as being the most effective after hundreds of snakes that I've sacrificed is um, I always go through a little ritual as well. Some people think I'm mad, but I don't care. I like to give the snake a little bit of respect, so I have it. <clears throat> A few words with the snake. I allow it to wrap around my arm. Um, I stroke the snake sometimes. I talk to it, calm it down, so it stops trying to fight me, or wrap itself around, or squeeze my arm, and it just sits there, you know. And when the snake is relaxed, and then I'll give it a few words and show it as much respect as possible, and then smack its head against the rock three or four times completely unconscious and then the final fatal blow would be a heavy rock or a hammer direct to the brain which is, sits just behind the eyes and I make sure that the job is done properly. I would suggest <clears throat> not cutting its head off with garden tools, I, I advise people against that. I would suggest not putting them in the fridge either because some people say that's um, something they do to bring the temperature of the snake down so it goes into a state of semi-hibernation or unconsciousness 
I think if we have to do something so awful and unpleasant, the, the minimum amount of suffering possible is the best course. Mm. And I would say putting it unconscious straight away is the best course. Um, I've seen a snake in a fridge before. And I would say that it was, it was suffering. Um, yeah, people don't want to do the unpleasant task of killing a snake and the blood and gore that it produces, which sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but quite often they'll bleed and people don't want to deal with blood. Quite often the brains will come out of their skull. That's not pleasant to see. But it's, it's, it's a fact of, 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 of what we're doing and, and unfortunately we, we become desensitized by it now. I don't even think about it. I, as I say in the beginning, I was horrified by it. I cried the first time. I had nightmares. Um, I just saw the little faces of the snakes in, in, my, in my bad dreams, but now I don't. Now it is literally, I am saving the lives of countless endemic lizards which are at the point of extinction. And that snake will not become an endangered species because their populations in other places are more than stable. And this is what we are told often. If we manage to wipe out every single snake on this island, the invasive species, the snake would not be in extinction. However, if we allow the snake to carry on as they are, the endemic lizard, by definition, is only from here, would disappear. The blue lizard, the green lizard, the, the, the emblematic, symbolic lizard of Ibiza will go and it will never, it will never come back, it will never be restored. Um, We've had people argue with us, argue against me and saying that we don't have the right to do this. This is not natural and what we're doing is hideous and it's wrong and we will burn in hell. Well, I'm willing to take the risk. If I'm quite happy to burn in hell if that's what it takes. But I think um, at the moment, this is what we can do. If, if we have another solution that we can transport the snake somewhere else in the future, I'll be really happy. But at the moment, this is all the legal mechanism that we have is what we're doing. And we're encouraged as a population to catch snakes and sacrifice them. And that's it. And, that, and that's better than any ideas about introducing other predators, dormice or more birds of prey, that kind of thing. I think the problem is an invasive species is an invasive species. Yeah. And they will reproduce and then they will become a problem. Um, I think history will tell us that if you bring a species of animal to deal with another animal and they get a stronghold, then they become a problem. Mm. Um, it's happened it, in Australia, hasn't it? With yes, game toads. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And, you know, it, those sort of animals, amphibians, reptiles, you know, they, they, they breed exponentially. The vermin as well. They say that rabbits were originally taken to Australia so that the, um, the English gentleman, when he was hunting, could shoot a few rabbits. But their, their populations uh, have soared and caused all sorts of ecological problems, including eating the natural food of the red kangaroo. And they're putting, they're putting, they're putting the, the population reduction of the red kangaroo down to the fact that the rabbits came in to eat all their uh, alimentation, all their natural you know, occurring food. Stuff that they had in the, in the landscape, and then of course, mice. Uh, uh, you know, mice were never in Australia before the Europeans arrived, but they, of course, they stowed away on boats and cargo. And some places you walk through, it's like standing on a sea, a black sea of mice that they're infesting. Um, you know, people's homes and basements and farmland. And it's horrific. So there they're saying, bloody hell, no, we, we need the snake here. You cannot touch the snake. You must never kill a snake. And we wouldn't dare kill a snake there because you could go to prison for a long time as well. Human interference is a dangerous, yeah. it's a dangerous thing. Yeah, yeah. In terms of... I'd, I'd say that, that this problem has been caused by humans. Yeah. Um, you know, we all needed a good slap on the wrist. 
decadence has caused uh, uh, you know this and and I think maybe people you know um, bought in olive trees blindly not knowing the consequence, consequences or the potential dangers I think some people now I've spoken to somebody who's bought olive trees and they realise they possibly were part of the problem and they feel terrible about it and they're trying to help as much as possible as well you know to put a number of traps around and you know Ignorance is bliss in these situations, and sometimes we don't know what we're doing, of course, and sometimes it's good to look back in hindsight, but had we not had the knowledge before, it probably wouldn't have happened, but of course it's a learning process, I think, you know. Elba told me that um, there's still no quarantine for imported trees. No. Is that, is that the case? That's right. I mean, I, sp I speak to different people who have contacts within the various authorities and and I'm assured that they are trying to do something about it with a legal mechanism to be able to put a break on imports, namely um, ornamental olive trees, so that they could be uh, segregated to an area where live traps could be placed and draw any offids or um, any species out of the uh, out of the various cavities of the tree over a period of time when they start getting hungry or coming out of hibernation. But there is a legal process that uh, is preventing it happening. And I read as well that the EU is also partly at fault of this because of freedoms, uh, freedom of movement of goods and people. Um, I find that very difficult to accept. And I would say contraband, dangerous goods should all come under the same category with an invasive snake. snake. Mm -hmm. Can I not treat it the same way as those categories of imports? Dangerous goods. Um, if you go to Australia, like the last time I went with my mother to Australia, she had a, um, a tangerine in a bag that she forgot it was wrapped up in paper. And she nearly got a $1,000 fine because the dog picked it up straight away mm. you know anything like that can hard, harm the ecology they're really 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 strict you know or people that travel from china into australia that have got all their sort of strange dried fruits and things sealed in plastic you know they're stopped at the border mm. you're not going to get into australia with that the moment you open that you put the ecology in danger so at the moment so, there's nothing there's no there's no restrictions no checks not that I can see. No. Not that I can see. And I think um, the people who work in the Ports Authority, including the Guadalupe Seville, uh, probably want there to be. Yeah. Um, but it's, it all, it's all dominated by politics, I suppose, and putting the legal mechanisms in place to, 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 uh, to allow that to happen. Uh, I, I've observed from a, different, uh, from a distance, I've been on that ferry that, that comes from Denia and from Valencia many times. And uh, I've been parked next to a truck on, on the ferry that was full of plants and it, it went off before me and I followed it and that it wasn't stopped um, it just went on it went through so I think you know uh, there has to be some sort of control because otherwise it's, um, it's we're lucky at the moment that it's only colubrid snakes I mean that's a snake bite and you can see it's you know the teeth marks here on my arm that's a, that's that's a, that's a five seven centimeter. Yeah, that's a full adult snake who's bitten me on the arm. Wow! Because that was a situation where the person thought there was only one snake in a box, so I got the neck of one snake and then the other one then come up and bit me. Um, but I've been bitten so many times now. Mm. But that's so, not venomous. That's just a no. Just that's a that's a horseshoe whip snake, and that was one point five meter horseshoe whip snake, and you can see the whip there is about one point five centimeters and. And of course, it opened his mouth as hard as it could to get a grip, and then eventually got it off. And and then there was a lot of you know, blood, and it looked more gory than it really was. I then wiped it off with hot water and soap, and no problem. No, no worries. I mean, you can see here, I've been bitten on my leg, I'm bitten here, I'm bitten. You know, I've got so used to it now, I don't even think about it. You know, people get freaked out when they see me getting bitten by snakes. Normally, I wear gloves. But normal gardening gloves, you, 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 know, you reduce the risk of being bitten. We're lucky. We've got colubrid snakes. 
But if they keep bringing in trees from the mainland, or some of them come from Castiglione or Catalonia, they've got vipers there. You know, some of the vipers are only about 60 centimeters. They've got triangle heads. They, they're venomous. You know, uh, the false smooth snake. You know, there's there's a number of species of snake that could get here that have really got to other Balearic islands. So, is there any evidence that there are other species of snakes here? The moment there have been some sightings of the green snake. Um, the green snake would be the Culebra bastarda, which is the Montpellier uh, or the Montpellier snake, as is more commonly known. Uh, they're very large snakes which are mildly venomous that have the fangs at the back. Um, I'm, I've yet to catch one. Um, people have give, uh, given me um, stories and told me that the friends of theirs had been bitten by a green snake which had left two fang marks on their hand but they were fine you know they didn't die and it certainly didn't get an effect or anything else um i think the most most of the iberian species are are not that dangerous to humans but even so it's it's not good to be complacent because if the vipers get here then we have a, a different problem. We're lucky at the moment that there are two uh, species of colubrid snake. One is the horseshoe whip snake, the other is the ladder snake, and they're harmless to humans. But who knows what could come next? If if if, this, if uh, other snakes get in exactly the same way as these have as well. So do you think the authorities need to do something now that it acts much more quickly? I think they're trying. Yeah. They're really trying to. They, um, you know, I've been personally thanked by very important people in the government. Um, I think there's a lot of frustration on their part because there are different levels of government. The autonomous regions have to answer to central government. And this this issue is, is new and they're working around the clock to try and resolve it. But I would say there needs to be um, some more work done on controls at the ports and at airports. If there was an Australian-style kind of mm, no biological material whatsoever to come into the island unless it's gone through quarantine, unless it's gone through health checks, inspections, and all the rest of it, that would be the, that would be the solution. And, and on the island, um, how happy are you with the way the authorities are trying to tackle the, the snake problem? I, I speak to the guys who are employed by the Balearic government and I speak to people who are employed by the Conseil and they're very, very good people. I mean, they're, they're so um, selfless and hardworking and conscientious in what they're doing. They're doing the best they can with what they've got. And I think through the applications such as Linea Verde, which I urge all people to download to do the reports will encourage the government to send more resources if the problem is going up. If it's underreported, then they're going to think that they're getting on top of the problem as it is. So this is why people really, really need to report it. So going on from reporting uh, snakes. The the general advice was given to call one one two, which is the emergency number. Um, however, if you do call one two, they will pass the call on to um, Antonio, who works for the uh, Asociación de Cazadores, or to Cofib. So Coffib. there are Cofib is the uh, consortium of invasive species based for the Balearic Islands. So to um, that's C-O-F-I-B. However, they use the application, which is works on all smartphones, and that's called Linea Verde. And then you download the application, and then you have an option which says Cofib, C-O-F-I-B, Invasive Species, Balearic Islands, or Ibiza. And then you choose, <coughs> yes, Balearics, and then you choose your location. You can upload a photo if you've got it in sight. And then you can report it. So rather than going around the route calling 112, 112 then goes to report it to the console. Console then eventually gets it down to the person on the ground. Yeah. 
that's the most direct way to do it. Okay. And, uh, and there is also a telephone number on the application that you right. can call someone on WhatsApp um, if there is a snake live on your property or inside your house or something. So, like that. so I'll, I'll link to that in the notes to the podcast to sure. make it easy for people. Um, and then if people want to get involved with having traps on their land, mm -hmm. what's the best way to go about doing that? So there are different organisations now on the island. Um, I'm more involved with Amix de la Terra, which translates into English, Friends of the Earth, Amix de la Terra de Ibiza. And there's a very lovely lady called Hazel, who's a British lady who's lived there for a, a very long time. And she's very good at coordinating the courses for, for local people um, and foreign people alike. So with them, you can get given a trap with a 20 euro donation. It's just so you give back the trap eventually or whatever, you know. And then you and everyone is given a bit of training on how to look after the mice or mouse. If it's just one mouse, if it's a male mouse, they're better to be on their own. They're a bit territorial and... Um, and things like that um, and then you be given the training and and then the various snake handlers including myself would be called when you eventually catch a snake so the responsibility of the person would be to you know keep it in a shaded place uh, give it dry food like a nut and uh, you know the normal feed that you can get from the Chinese shop you need to get a bag of a rodent feed for, for nothing, a couple of euros, you know, and it lasts a long time. So once a week, check they've got food. One of the misconceptions that people have is that there's extremely cruel to the mouse. Again, the mouse was born in captivity. Many of them are laboratory mice. Um, some of them come from pet shops. They were in, in a cage that size anyway. And then the, the other misconception is that the snake will go into the trap and then the, the poor mouse will see the snake and be traumatized by it as it sits there for days waiting to be collected completely the, to the contrary i've seen the mice it's almost comical they come up on the on the little mesh in between and almost like wave to as if it was waving to the snake hey how you doing what on earth are you doing what are you and they, they don't look troubled by it at all they're not certainly not hiding in terror or shaking wow. you know they're like looking at the snake and the snake, is, the snake is just sitting there, like it rolled up, going, you know, as if to say, damn, I've been trapped. Yeah. I've got to accept that now. I'm not going to waste my energy getting angry. I'm just going to sit here and wait and see what happens. That's, and that's what the snake is doing. It's, it's rolled around in a ring, and it's like, hmm, okay. What's the point of wasting energy? Yeah, and time getting angry about this or trying to get out. I'm not getting out of here, so I'm just going to conserve my energy and wait and see what happens. And that's exactly what they do, you know. So people can just buy a snake from a pet shop or obtain it from a, a agricultural a mouse a mouse from a no the, the mouse will be included in the in the trap now oh. we've we've um we've uh, managed to to have mice breeding programs and there's a lady that's got like a big tub and there's like a mouse city and they've then she breeds them and we've got lots and lots of mice now too so we'll give the mouse or the mice uh free with the with the trap tim freitag who's got the group on Facebook, um, no, uh, Snakes on Ibiza, no thank you, Serpientes in Ibiza, no gracias. He has them made at a reduced price by a special carpenter, and he's made lots of different shaped ones with different compartments. Um, some of them are very user-friendly. Some of them, you know, got stilts on the floor to keep them away from the damp and keep them away from ants. And, you know, he's invested a lot of time and energy. And then we have um, SOS... Sargantanes um, and their campaign, which is linked to the Consel. And again, you can contact them and they will organize a trap. The different ayuntamientos on, on Ibiza as well, San Juan, Ibiza, San Antonio, all of the uh, ayuntamientos, the town halls are giving out traps as well now. The matter has been taken seriously. And at the moment, that is the only solution. What I would suggest to people is... Be careful with YouTube and these wacky snake traps that people construct with plastic bottles and tubes and things, you know, um, they don't work. Um, you know, they might do in with different species in different parts of the world. 
using mouse earring and droppings and things like that. I've tried them. You know, the most effective trap for us is the mouse in a box that's looked after like a pet. They live for about a year, they live for about two. Um, they do an excellent job and they work. There are traps, other, other types of traps that they use in the Canary Islands, which are like the long uh, tube things. And again, they put mouse urine and uh, droppings and feces so that the snakes can pick up the, the pheromones and go into the traps. They work there, but they, they're dealing with the Californian king snake as an invasive species in Gran Canaria. You know, we're dealing with a different species of snake. So I would say be careful about finding answers on the internet because they don't always provide the right information. You know, we're, we're, we've, we're experienced in what we're doing and it works. And until something better, effective comes up, this is the best thing that people can do. Yeah. Get a box with a couple of mice in, look after them, keep it shaded. And just call us when you get one and we'll come and deal with and, it. And if you're going away on holiday, you just have to find someone to come and check up on your mouse for you, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to foster two mouse boxes and yeah. uh, I've, I've got plenty of places I can put them where they can be uh, of use. And um, again, just, you know, talking to us and communicating with us uh, and treat them as if they were pets. You know, it is, it is a responsibility, it's, you know. Um, and people need to take, you know, take it seriously and look after the creatures, you know. But yeah, if they go on a holiday, um, we can move them around into different houses. We've got people who are really dedicated to this and they take this very seriously. You know, they, they sometimes foster and care for other people's boxes and that's fine. Um, what about, uh, I've got two cats at home. and I was thinking if I got one with the cats, because constantly be trying to get to the mice. Yeah, I mean, the recommendation is, is when you have a snake trap that has the mice inside, that the, the front grill and the door is facing a wall, it's facing one of those rock walls, because that makes the trap more effective to catch the snake anyway. And, if and then the mice are out of view from your pets. Yeah, I mean, cats sometimes go and scratch the box because mm. they know there's a mouse in there, but, you know, it's, it's fine. Uh, keep them out of view and keep them out of mind, you know. And if they, if your, cat, your cats or pets are still becoming a problem, then you can, you know, put the trap somewhere else away from the house or, you know, with wood panels behind it, providing there's a space of about three centimetres at least at the front of the trap so that the snake, which is travelling along the wall, can go past and pick up the scent of the mouse. It's still effective. Okay. Just finally, mm -hmm. how optimistic do you feel for the future in terms of eliminating the snakes here? Optimism, okay. Well, um, so I'd like to speak positively about every negative situation. I think in some places on the island we are winning. Um, I would say here in this house, in, on you know, San Carlos, we've made progress because this house a, a few years ago was swarming with snakes everywhere. Uh, we've only managed to catch one small one here. Okay, so that's an indication to me that this, this particular area was starting to clean up a little bit. Okay, but in other parts of the island, they're, they're increasing in population, so then we need to focus the efforts there. This part here of the island, you know, some green lizards have started to reappear. Some people are reporting that they're seeing one or two reappearing, um, especially Esfigral, San Carlos. Uh, the the outskirts of Santulalia, which were infested originally, so it does show that you know a, a good trapping campaign can help, mm. but it has to be consistent and it has to be constant, and people shouldn't give up halfway through because they start seeing things are improving. You should say, okay, well that's that's all right now, you know, no more snake catchers. Well, we get rid of the box. No, 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 it has to be consistent, and <clears throat> it has to be for the long term. So, yeah, it is a little bit of an aggravation looking after a little white mouse. Um, I get that. But, you know, if we keep the consistency all around the island and traps active all around the island, even when they're not snakes, then we can win, I think. But we need more, 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 you know. And I know carpenters are working around the clock to build as many traps as possible um, with marine plywood and things like that. And it's, it's a mammoth, mammoth task, but we're just going to keep going. Are you getting more and more people getting involved, the public? 
Yeah, I mean, I work in a school and I'm trying to get young people involved. I've got a little team of volunteers of 16, 17, 18-year-olds now. They're taking it very seriously. Um, people are contacting me on Facebook all the time, Instagram. And I have to say, sometimes I have, I have to apologize. I can't always answer straight away. Uh, I'm pretty busy doing what I'm doing. And I'm not a, bit, a huge fan of social media anyway. But, you know, I will reply when I see the message requests eventually. Um, but they're, as I say, through Timothy Freitag and all the rest of it, then, you know, they, they are approachable. Hazel from Amiga Solitaire, you can just phone her and she'll have a nice chat with you, you know. Um, I will deal with as many people as I possibly can. Um, but, you know, I am human. <laughs> so I don't use one of those automatic press one, press two, press three machines. You know, you phone me, I'll answer the phone if I can. If I'm not driving, I've got my hand in a, in a snake trap. So, um, you know, I will help as many people as possible. And the other thing as well is, if you know, donations are good, um, especially at the moment for fuel. At the moment, I'm getting through 120 to 130 euros a week in diesel, oh, just dealing with the snake. Wow. I know I go to places on my motorbike if I can, but sometimes you can't because those caminos and rocky tracks up to houses on the top of mountains or whatever you know you just can't do it you know you, you need i need the you need a four-wheel drive to get up there and unfortunately it costs money so um if if myself or the other volunteers are out there will happily accept any donation it can be a couple of euros it could be a couple of thousand <laughs> we but uh, we will happily accept anything and it will go to good use any money that um you know is not used on fuel we'll use it for materials for building traps mm. And it's all properly registered and everything else. And I would say as well that if people want to donate to Amix de la Terra, um, then they can do that via the website. And and if people just want to pay for a service to have their land um, with traps maintained by you know a private company, there are different private companies available. But our main objective is to save the lizard and to save Ibiza from this devastating situation and, and the other thing as well that people need to understand that if they do get involved you know they are protecting the lifeblood of this island which is in essence tourism um, there's no other real industry here that is if we didn't have tourism then the salaries of all the people here are not going to get paid you know and everyone depends or directly or indirectly on tourism and one of the things I do fear is when we have a, a lovely uh, English family, I'm just saying English, it could be a Dutch or Norwegian, you know, sitting with their children by a, a lovely swimming pool, looking down at the villa, uh, from the villa to the sea, uh, having a nice barbecue, and then two snakes appear, you know. That's not nice, um, especially if I've never seen them before. And, you know, so we could think about that as well. Mm. People getting involved are going to be helping to save our tourism. And that is the lifeblood of the island, and we need to protect that. Someone said to me last year, um, and it was a father uh, of some children of an English family. He said, um, never coming back here because we've seen snakes. I, told, I tried to say, no, don't worry, it's, it's under control. We'll get it under control. He said, never coming back here. I said, I can't believe this is happening. We'll go somewhere else. And I said, well, to be honest, there's snakes everywhere. I said, yeah, but I've never seen them like that before. And that is another reason that we really need to get on top of this, you know. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. And, You're welcome. Uh, and, and good luck for the future. Thank you very much. <laughs> This haunting song was recorded in San Jose in the 1950s in Ibiza. It's called Bon Amor Jo et Venk Aver, which roughly translates as Good Love, I'll Come See You. 
is part of the Alan Lomax collection at the American Folklife Centre in the Library of Congress. It's used courtesy of the Association for Cultural Equity. Bucket, 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 